Imagine, the creator of the universe has a purpose for your life. How would you like to seek out this God, ask the hard questions, and grow deeply in Him? Welcome to the Life on Purpose podcast, where together we will explore Him more fully. The Life on Purpose podcast, brought to you by Skyline Church of Christ. Welcome to the Grasp the Sword podcast, part of our Life on Purpose podcast here at Skyline. And we are excited today. Uh, we've taken a couple weeks off, uh, but we're ready to get back into it. I've got uh, Jordan and Shay here co-hosting with me today. How are you guys today? We're great. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, but we're excited today. We are going to be diving into the story of Esther. Uh, this is just an amazing, powerful story. Uh, but we're going to be getting into that here in just a second. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, and just as a reminder, you know, with Grass the Sword, we are digging into these stories. Um, we're finding out things that we didn't realize as we've read these stories as kids. And we hope that you get the same thing from this as well. Uh, we, we've learned some things that we didn't know about this story. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, with Life on Purpose, too, we are thinking about our journeys. You know, we're we're on a journey finding our purpose, because each one of us has a purpose. And so we're hoping that the Life on Purpose podcast, Grass the Sword, are helping us as we go on that journey and as we look for that purpose, because God has a special plan for each one of us. Um, whether we know it or not, He's put us right where He wants us to be. And I think that's going to become important as we think about the story of Esther. That's an important thing to think about. Um, but God has plans for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, very familiar verse, says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God has plans for us. He knows what those plans are. Sometimes we don't know. Esther didn't know when she was in her situation at first. Um, but God has plans for us. So far with this series, we've talked about Gideon. We've talked about Daniel. We've talked about Peter and the apostles. Uh, you know, Each one of those people had a specific purpose for when they were placed and where they were placed. Uh, but they did do have to do a little bit of searching, and they had to figure out what God wanted for them. And that's kind of where we are today. And we're on this mission, we're on this journey, trying to figure out what our purpose is. And today we get to look at Esther. And like I said, Esther is just an amazing story. I think that we could spend, and we're going to spend you know, the next 30 minutes or so talking about Esther, but we could easily turn this into a 12-week series. Uh, but there's, there's just so much in this. Um, our key verse from the book of Esther is going to be chapter 4, verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. So Esther is in a situation where she has to figure out her purpose. Uh, was she there by accident? I don't, I don't think that she was. Um, Jordan, this story is very special to you. Uh, I think you actually said, I want to talk about Esther, which is great. We love that. So kind of give us some... Just give us some insight and, and context and background into the story, and, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into it. Absolutely. I remember coming to you, Eric, and I was like, if you let anyone else talk about Esther, it will hurt my feelings because Esther and I are best friends. I love Esther. It's been uh, chapter 4, verse 14 has been my life verse for as long as I can remember. Um, it's She's really impacted my spiritual journey, and I just... 
Oh, I love me some Esther, so I'm excited to <laughs> dig into this today. Like like you mentioned, we could, I mean, there's so much to glean from this and to pull out from this story, the things she did for the kingdom. Um, but to kind of just set the stage, so um, we're starting off the scene historically. We are right in between, we're halfway between the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, the city. So that's where we're at historically, and we open up the book with... Xerxes, King Xerxes, throwing a feast for all of his lords. It's a long feast. It's 180 days. He's really partying. Um, and so at this feast, he calls his wife Vashti, and he wants her to um, show off her beauty before all of his friends, all of the lords, and she refuses. So she then gets banished from the kingdom um, because she has embarrassed the king and all of his um, officials tell, tell the king, this is a precedent we can't set. We cannot let um, these women defy us. So she is then banished. Um, so that ends chapter one. And after chapter one, King Xerxes goes off um, and he tries to conquer Greece. He goes off on an expedition to try to conquer Greece that expedition is unsuccessful, so when we pick up on chapter 2, he's returned home to uh, Susa, and when he returns, he's saying, you know, I'm really sad about this expedition that was unsuccessful. You know, it sounds really great. I need another wife. I need a queen to kind of, to occupy my my sadness, so. Need somebody to talk to in the nighttime. Exactly. He's He's looking for a companion. Getting a little lonely. He is. He's sad because he was unsuccessful in his expedition. He's banished Queen Queen Vashti. So, and you, know, you said this has been three or four years since Vashti has been deposed. Right. So when we leave chapter one, um, we got about four years before we okay. pick up in chapter two um, after he returns from this expedition. So when... When we return, he's looking for a queen. So his officials say, you know, what sounds like a great solution to this is we need to have a beauty pageant. We need to call um, all the beautiful virgins in the land and have them come in under the care of your eunuch, King, Ver King Xerxes. And we need to have them undergo all these beauty treatments and we'll see whichever one pleases you, King. So he thinks this is a great idea, of course. Um, so. Y'all know how long those treatments took? As long as your wife takes to put on her makeup in the morning. That's how long. No, I'm just kidding. But they did. They were going through it for six six months, a year. Six months of one treatment and six right. months of another, it says. It's in the Bible. So I'm thinking that for some reason, Shay just disappeared. I don't know what happened to Shay. Yeah, he is officially banished. He's banished. She's going to be looking for a new husband here soon. Um, so, yeah, and I think a, a point I want to kind of make about this is when the Persian decree went out, when King Xerxes puts out a decree, it's not a suggestion. It's it's going to happen or you're going to die. So when Esther is beckoned and she's summoned to come into this, um, this place and undergo this process, it wasn't an option for her or um, something she had to think about. It was mandatory it was you do this or you die because the king has summoned her so um she finds her herself in this place in life where she doesn't have any any options she doesn't have any say um in what and where her life is going to go um which is 
why we kind of see that Esther is written in the passive voice because it's appropriate for this story because it expresses life from the perspective of being caught up and swept along by circumstances beyond one's control. <clears throat> and that's kind of where we find Esther. Is she, you know, has this life set out for her that's not what she would have chosen for herself. So yeah, we, we find Esther, she... Um, is summoned to the king, and she is the one, of course, that she not only finds favor with the eunuch that is in charge of her, but she also finds favor with the king. So she, he puts a crown on her head. He he makes her king, um, and then she is now the queen of the Persian Empire. So that basically gets us up to chapter 4, which is where we're going to be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our main part of the passage, we're going to be talking about several things from the whole book, but... Uh, mainly in in Esther chapter 4, verse 1 through 14. Shay, do you mind reading that for us? Sure. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was mourning. So he went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave him a copy of the decree issued in Susa and called for the death that called for the death of all the Jews. He asked him to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. So he asked him to direct her to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So the eunuch returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told him to go back and relay another message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter, and the king is not called for me to come to him for thirty days. So he gave Esther's message to Mordecai. So Mordecai sent this reply back to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. So I'll just jump in and say, Esther was an orphan. Both her mother and her father had passed away, so she was really adopted by her cousin Mordecai. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai, And so Mordecai um, was in the king's gates when he um, is being commanded to bow down to Haman, who is promoted um, to the highest position in the palace. And Haman is requiring all these people to bow down to him. And Mordecai is refusing. He's saying, I bow down to no man. I bow down to my God. My God is the only God I will serve. So he, you know, while all these other people are bowing down to Haman, Mordecai is refusing. And Haman does not appreciate that. He does not take kindly. Yeah, he's not really happy about that. So Haman realizes that 
Um, Mordecai is a Jew, and that's kind of where this refusal is coming from because the Jews bow down to God, and he takes this information, and his solution is to go to the king with this plan to bribe the king with $19 million. It's kind of the sum that he's given the king. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yes. So his plan is he's going to pay the king $19 million if the king will agree to um, kill all the Jewish people. So his plan, the $19 million is really going to come from all of the the um, goods and the materials he's going to steal from the dead Jews. So really he's going to kill them and then he's going to pay for their death with all their stuff. So um, he's really not being very nice to the Jews. He's going to kill them and he's going to steal from them. So um, the king agrees to this. He um, gives his signet ring um, approval on this. And so Mordecai is devastated. But um, we pick up with Esther trying to clothe him and um put some clothes on i don't like this stuff you're wearing exactly she's saying you know why are you you know out in the courtyards um in the middle of the city with these sackcloth and ashes why are you embarrassing me like this i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna need you to put some clothes on and he um he's refusing so what happens is esther sends her maids and her chamberlains to ask Mordecai what in the world is going on. Mordecai discloses to her chamberlain, you know, Haman has this, the death wish on all the Jews. And that's kind of where we pick up chapter 4 and verse 14. And he's saying, you know, Esther, don't think just because you're the queen, you're going to survive this. You're going to pass away with all the Jews. Um, But God's not going to let that happen. The Abraham covenant we found out that God's got a plan for the, the Jewish people. He's going to um, redeem them. He's going to protect them. He's going to make their descendants as great as the stars in the sky. He's got these, this grand um, favor for the Israelite people and the Jewish people. So we know, and Mordecai knows, um, as he grew up as a Jewish um, people, know, he, and he knew the, the decree, the, the law of God and the covenant of God. He knew that the, the Jews would be okay. And so he tells Esther, you know, God's going to save us regardless. Um, so that can either come from you or it can come from somebody else. But it's going to happen. God's going to save us somehow. Um, and, you know, this is my favorite part. He says, who knows whether you come to this position for such a time as this. It's an amazing verse, too. Yeah. As you reread the story, did you pick up anything that you missed? I mean, we've been reading this story for years, you know, all of our lives. We've read the story of Esther, and we've, especially verse 14, such a time as this. Uh, But was there Mm -hmm. things that you picked up on as you reread the story that you didn't know before? Absolutely. So I kind of told y'all, you know, I have a really um, long history with Esther. Um, I love Esther. I read it frequently. But, um, you know, a a lot of times we forget that the Word of God is living and active. So every time we read it, the Spirit reveals something more applicable to our lives and something we needed to hear. So um, something I've just learned recently is Haman was an Amalekite, which if you don't know, Amalek was the father of the Amalekites. um, And the Amalekites were the Israelites' most persistent enemy. Um, So Amalek was the grandson of Esau, who was born after the flesh. So 
we get to this place where we learn that Amalek is a type of flesh. So when you go to 1 Samuel 15, 3, you learn that God has instructed King Saul to destroy all the Amalekites. And then we learn that King Saul does not obey God. Um, he comes back and he still has allowed um, some of the, the herd to live. He's still allowed um, Amalek to live. He has not followed his instructions. So because of King Saul's disobedience in 1 Samuel, we 600 years later in the story of Esther have a descendant of Amalek who is Haman who is now going to destroy all the Jews. So the Jewish people are seeing the repercussions of King Saul's disobedience in 1 Samuel 600 years later in Esther. So because King Saul didn't obey, we have Haman who is going to destroy the Jews. So that correlation really just blew my mind. I've never really heard that before um, and that, that connection there. So um, I think... You know, because Amalek is a type, Amalek is a type of our flesh. Um, God has ordered that our flesh is to be put to death. So for us today, we can draw that um, connection in saying, you know, God told King Saul to destroy the type of flesh in the Amalekites, but he um, he tells us today to destroy all of our flesh and to live by the Spirit. So um, we can see that same repercussions today because if we fail to obey the command of God to put to death our flesh, we see that it can come to haunt us in our disobedience as well. We can have a, a spiritual repercussion and a spiritual death if we don't put to death our flesh. I think, you know, you can think about our family history uh, on this earth, and it's not the same for everyone, but uh, probably us around this table have, you know, generations of spiritual Christian families. And think about that as far as what happens when families start seeking after the flesh instead of things of the spirit. And then entire generations, entire families fall, just like what's happening to the Jews is because one person decided, I'm not going to die to all the flesh. I'm not going to kill and obey God and everything that he asked me to destroy. And that continued to haunt uh, the people even hundreds of years later. Mm -hmm. But just as when Haman presented this obstacle to the Jews because of King Saul's disobedience, they were provided a provision through God through Esther. And just, you know, just as God provided them Esther, he provides us, you know, so many opportunities to overcome these curses of disobedience. And he provides us Jesus, who, you know, is all, is our ultimate grace. And, um, you know, I, we have those, you know, for such a time as this moments when we, you know, are able to overcome really the, the spiritual um, warfare in our lives. I think too, when you think about the thing with Saul and you think about, look at the just making the wrong decisions mm -hmm. not following makes a huge difference the things that we do we don't even realize what they're going to affect later on and Saul thought he was fine he thought look I, I did what you told me to right no you didn't you didn't do what I told you to and he changed the course of history mm -hmm. in that decision yeah 
And the interesting thing too, like you were talking about, Saul did that, now 600 later you have Esther. Mm-hmm. Esther's going to change history as well. Oh, absolutely. So that's amazing too. And I, I think sometimes we, you know, as Christians think that we're called to be obedient in the small things. And we, you know, Esther, you know, she was an orphan and she, you know, was just being obedient in the small daily things. And then God used her to save an entire, you know, his chosen group of people. So, you know, if we are obedient in the small things as she was, you know, even in her beauty um, process, she was being obedient and found favor even with the eunuch there because she was being obedient um, in that process. And then, you know, we think that we're called to small things and God can call us to big things as well. I think that can scare us sometimes, but I think, you know, God, God, fights for us and he he provides those opportunities all along the way and we we can really be you know big servants of God so think about this so God could have used anyone that he wanted to Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we have Mordecai in the palace he's at the fortress Uh, you know we've had it we've already gone through the story of Daniel Daniel was in the court of a different Persian king Mm -hmm. Um, so why Esther why not a Daniel? Why not Mordecai? Why not uh, a cupbearer like Nehemiah that could save the people? Why do we think God chooses to use Esther in this story? So I think God's preparing Esther from the very beginning. I think, you know, when she's finding favor with these people all along the way, they are going to be people he uses in her process to um, bring her information. And she's making these relationships that are going to be beneficial to the whole Jewish people. Um, and, you know, you talked about Mordecai. Mordecai is in sackcloth, so he's not even allowed in the city gates. Because mm-hmm. if you're in sackcloth, you have to stay outside of the gates. So... He can't even come into the city, much less go to the king and get the the scepter ex- extended to him. So I think because Esther, um, and and through God's provision, she Esther had built this relationship and found so much favor with the king that God was able to use that. Um, when this circumstances, when this circumstance happened, to you know really go to the king and plead on the Jews behalf you know God was preparing that this whole time and he had that favor with the king for for such a time as this you know for for Esther's ability to save the people and that favor started very early too because you know Esther came into the came into the palace came into the harem and she almost immediately was granted favor by the by the eunuchs in charge and she was given you know a whole separate group of people to prepare her. She was in her own separate place. So she gained favor early on. Right. And all the rest of the women, you know, she wasn't sent till years into this process. And all the right. rest of the women had spent one night with the king. And then he immediately sent them to be with the rest of the um, the harem. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to stay with the king past one night because he didn't find favor with them. So years into the process... Esther spends one night with the king, and she's immediately queen because immediately he finds so much favor um, with Esther. And it says, um, he loved her above all women. She obtained grace and favor of the king, and he made her queen and placed a crown on her head. So, it, you know, like you said, it started immediately. And I think, too, this also shows, you know, when thinking about why Esther, I think God chooses who he wants to choose. Every story that we've talked about, 
Daniel may be the exception to this from the ones that we've already talked about. Daniel was kind of extraordinary. Uh, but the other ones that we talked about, we talked about Gideon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about uh, Peter and the apostles. Um, you know, God chooses people who the other people, we ourselves, we would, we would not choose those people. Uh, so God chooses whom he wants to choose, and he, he has specific reasons. And I think, like you said, she's, she's in a unique position mm-hmm. um, to, to do this. Like you said, Mordecai was not in a, would not have been in a position to, to gain this favor. You know, we, we get the sense that the king has special favoritism, and we don't have a sense. We have it in the Bible. He really favored her a yes. whole lot. Yeah. Um, so she's in a position of influence that maybe somebody else would not have been able to do. Right. Uh, as, as good as Daniel was with Darius and with Nebuchadnezzar, he, he was not, he would apparently, he, a person like that was not suited for this particular task. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as you see how Esther worked her plan with the king, uh, she used the, the abilities that she was given to be able to make a difference for her people. Right. And she had the courage that it mm-hmm. required to go to the king. And her words were, if I perish, I perish. She knew that God, um, God's provision for the, the Jews were more important than her, her own life at that point. So um, she you know, had the courage that it required to go to the king mm-hmm. because if he didn't extend his scepter to her, she died. And I think you mentioned, too, we, we talked about, you know, this this process started early with Esther. And it actually started earlier than her even being called to the palace. You know, if you look at her whole life, we don't have a whole lot about her life. Uh, but we know that both of her parents passed away. Right. Uh, when she was, I don't, we don't know how young she was, but she was young when her parents passed away. You know, and it's her cousin who takes her in. So, uh, you know, if she had siblings, they weren't able to take her in. Or maybe she was an only child and was left alone, whatever way, whatever it was, she was alone from her family. Mm-hmm. And so she's had difficult situations uh, for a while. You know, we do learn that she was obedient to Mordecai, and we know right. that Mordecai was obedient to God, so there was a connection there with, mm-hmm. uh, she's had a life of uh, of being brought up, being taught what it means to be faithful, what it means to be um, obedient. So mm-hmm. uh, she's she's learned a lot through her life, and then she's brought into this particular situation mm-hmm. for this particular moment. Right. And I mean, going back to, you know, the, the perspective of this story is, uh, her, is life from the perspective of being swept up by circumstances beyond one's control. And like we talked about, Esther, mm-hmm. that started for her from the time her parents passed away. She yeah. she had to figure out how to be courageous in the face of these um, hardships from a very early age. You know, she she knew how to deal with that. And it wasn't an easy process going through this pageant. Uh, you no. know, going through the beauty treatments, going yeah. through um, going in to be with the king and being chosen queen. You know, these aren't easy things that she's having. This happens over a course of years. We read the story of Esther, and we can read through chapters 1 through 4, you know, in a matter of, you know, 10 minutes. But we're talking about multiple years that have occurred just between chapters 1 and 4. Right. Uh, so there's a long time that passes that she's having to continue to build up uh, strength and courage throughout the whole process. Right. So you mentioned that God isn't talked about in the story. Like, the, the name God is not mentioned. Right. It, it doesn't mention the name God. It doesn't, the only really spiritual discipline or spiritual reference it makes is fasting. She asked 
um, Esther asks when she goes to the king, she asks all the Jewish people to fast for her. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only reference we have to spirituality, the Jewish religion at all, um, is the fasting. So um, I think that's on purpose. I think... um, Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot to learn even in that aspect of this story because it looks like God's not on the scene. Um, he's not being mentioned. He's not, we don't see Esther praying. We don't see, you know, all these other things that we see in these other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our lives, there's a lot of times where it looks like God's not on the scene. It looks like he's not doing these big miraculous things for us. And it looks like we're not hearing him and hearing from him, but as we see in Esther in this story, even when we don't hear from God explicitly or we don't see him um, on the front scenes, that's when he is guiding us and directing us and working out his plan for redemption for us. Um, even, you know, when we can't see it, he's working for us. And we see that in Esther. He's, you know, like we spoke about before, he promised this covenant to Abraham back in Genesis and now in Esther, he's working that plan out even though he's not being mentioned. His people are being taken care of. His miracles are still happening and they still happen for us today. Even if we're not hearing from him, he's working and he's redeeming us um, every day. I think about the uh, the idea, you know, like I like the idea of the God is putting this puzzle together and we can't see all the pieces. So God's like you mentioned, even even back as far as Abraham and mm-hmm. Saul, you know, you're talking about hundreds and thousands of years that pieces of this puzzle for Esther have been put in place, um, one thing after the other that God has put in place. But it, when you're just in the moment, you may not see that. Right. But God is doing all these things, um, and I, I think the story goes to God's timing, God's choices, holding everything together. Even like you've mentioned too the. Uh, using the negative situations for for positive. That's not to say that God causes negative things or God likes negative things, mm-hmm. um, but God definitely is able to take negative situations and make us grow. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we learn nothing else from this story of Esther, we can learn that God, His kingdom is going to be established with or without us, and His kingdom is His priority. He's going to build up His kingdom, and He is going to um, allow us to be a part of that kingdom if we're willing. So when Esther was willing to put up her life as an offering, she was able to save the whole Jewish uh, race. And so I think when we remember that, we can say, you know, I'm able to be part of this kingdom, this bigger picture. I'm here for such a time as this, and God's going to be able to use me um, for his kingdom. Well, and that is the, the goal of the kingdom. Jesus says, give up your life, and you will. how many more lives will you save by giving up your life? You know, it's, Esther is the story of Jesus. Jesus gave up his life for his people. Esther was willing to give up her life for her people, and it's a story of Jesus. It's a story of faith, even though it's not, those things aren't even mentioned. But, you know, faith is not something we see, but it's, right. it's working. You know, the song uh, Waymaker, mm-hmm. even when uh, I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And yeah, it's just one of those stories that, you know, we don't often go, go to or look to the stories that are just that in between or that waiting mm-hmm. or that time of transition. Uh, but that's a part of it. That's a part of faith. And this this shows just that example of faith, I think, in this story. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that's exactly what it is. You know, her her being willing to offer her life was very reminiscent of Jesus offering his life to save save us. Yeah. So one of the things that we like to do with these stories, too, is we like to bring it to our life on purpose right. and living on purpose. And we've, we've been mentioning this several times, but specifically, how are people working out? We can focus on a lot of people. Let's just talk about Esther and Mordecai mm-hmm. with living on purpose. And I, th- I think we can learn a lot from both of these. Uh, th- I think both of these people, their whole lives were working towards living through their purpose. And I think like here, I think Esther has to kind of, it's not, not that she doesn't know, but it's pointed out to her, you've got a specific purpose for this specific moment. Right. And I mean, going back to Mordecai, you know, he refused to bow down to Haman and his mm-hmm. life was very on purpose. And in those moments, he, he knew the risk of that, um, but he purposefully chose his life to be, you know, an example and um, to stand up for God in that moment and say, I, I'd bow down to no man. I bow down to God. So I think we also see Esther living on purpose for sure. Um, I think her whole life has been intentional. Um, you know, and I think, Eric will like us using that word intentional, <laughs> uh, Eric P. Uh, you know, she was very intentional with her actions. Um, she was intentional from the very beginning going into the, into the beauty treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, Mordecai was very specific with her, with his instructions to her, and she was obedient to those instructions. Uh, so, you know, she's lived a life of being obedient to Mordecai, and she even does it when she's honestly in a, posi- a higher position of power than he is, but he, she recognizes that, uh, he is giving her guidance. Um, so she's obedient to God. She's obedient to uh, what she knows that she needs to be doing. Uh, so she spends a life of obedience, of intentionality. Uh, she's strong. Uh, I mean, she's strong on purpose. Um, you know, she just the, the gumption to be able to say, you know what? If I die, I die going into the king. Uh, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, so she's strong. Uh, you know, when you look at the fasting, like you said, it's the only kind of spiritual discipline that's mentioned mm-hmm. in in this book. Um, but I mean, she's the one that brings it up. You know, she says, Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to fast. Uh, all of my servants are going to fast. You fast. Had the other Jews in the city fast f- for this as well. Um, and I, I think there's probably an implied, or maybe we infer it, uh, moment, you know, time of prayer as well. Because uh, right, fasting right. and praying always went together. Right. So even though it's not said, I think we can probably assume that she's uh, spending time praying about this decision too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's very intentional and very purposeful. Right. And I love how you, you know, you underlined her obedience because in contrast to King Saul, we see what happened when he was disobedient. Right. So then when we contrast that with Esther, we see what happened with her obedience. She you know, saved her old people and was able to find favor with the king and in turn, you know, save, save all the Jews. So I think that obedience was really key in this story. And we talk about Esther a lot, and I think Esther deserves all the praise that she gets from the story, but Morde- Mordecai does have a part in this as well. Uh, you know, she, uh, he, sorry, he, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's very specific too. Um, right. Like you've already mentioned, he was uh, direct with his decision to, I'm not going to bow down to Haman. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to, uh, serve, I'm going to serve my God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to serve my King, you know, because he protects the King. Uh, you know, the part that we didn't talk about, uh, from an earlier chapter was, you know, he stopped uh, an assassination attempt on the King. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he served his King intentionally. Um, he served his queen intentionally. 
Um, you know, even though he was, you know, kind of the father figure, he recognized that, you know, hey, she is the queen. I'm serving her as well. Right. So I'm, he's intentionally serving her. He's he's being a servant to his king. He's being a servant to his God. Uh, and he's being, uh, um, you know, he's part of the salvation of his people uh, because he was able to help remind Esther of why she was there. Right. Uh, obviously, God is the one who caused everything, but, you know, these these two people have a huge impact in the story. Right, and he, he uses Mordecai from the very beginning. You know, what I hear from that is Mordecai lived a life of service because mm-hmm. when Esther's parents passed away, he stepped up and was able to serve Esther in becoming her her parental figure. Right. And then even when Esther got summoned to... Um, be a part of the the beauty um, treatments and was going through that process. The Bible says that he went to the king's palace and checked on her every day. So he served Esther every day from her very beginning. He, he stayed close. He, right. He he loved Esther and he served her in the very best way he knew how. And he served the whole nation of the Jews. You know, he was very pivotal in in this story. So you mentioned this happened 600 years after King Saul. For yes. us, for the three of us, for those listening today, this is like 2,500 years ago, yes. right? So we have to ask the question, what does a story that took place 2,500 years ago in a land halfway across the globe, what does that have to do with Eric, Jordan, and Shay today? What does it have to do with... Uh, God's people today in the year 2021. Why are we studying this? So we can take verse 14. And like I said, this is, you know, my favorite verse of the Bible. Um, We can take that verse and apply it word for word to our lives right now. You know, Mm -hmm. God's kingdom is going to be established with or without us. Just as Mordecai tells Esther, deliverance is going to come to the Jews with or without you. Um, you know, we, we can be a part of the kingdom because God's going to establish it with or without us. Um, but we know that we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And God still uses us in the same way he used, he used Esther. Um, our for such a time as this moments are still there for us to find. Just as Esther was able to be used, we are still um, we're still being used for the kingdom to this day. I think it's good to look look back and remember, you know, all throughout the Israelites, the Bible, God calls them to remember what he has done. And uh, the story would be totally different if King Xerxes hadn't looked back when he couldn't sleep one night right. and <laughs> called uh, his, uh, you know, servants to come read him, you know, the history of his of his reign and he finds that little story about how Mordecai stopped the plot of his assassination and that changed the whole direction of Mordecai's life because he was about to be killed right um and so just looking back and remembering those things I mean Esther had this incredible event that she will be able to look back through her obedience to know that God was with her, he is faithful, he sustains her, he sustained her people. And it's the same for us. We have right. these moments we can look back on mm-hmm. in our lives where God is faithful, he has led us, he has guided us, and it's good to remember. Yeah. 
I think it also goes back to the idea of God is God is still there, even when we don't see Him and we don't think that we feel Him. Uh, we we don't think that we are seeing uh, the results of His work around us. He's still there, um, and His His. It always goes back to sometimes His timing. Mm-hmm. You know, His His timing is different than ours. Uh, you know, th- like we said, not only did this the Book of Esther happen over the course of you know five to seven years at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the buildup to this story for the Israelites uh, is hundreds of years. Uh, so uh, things take time, and we have to be patient. Um, but we also have to realize, like y'all both said, uh, God has put us where he wants us for specific reasons. Right. I really like what you said about you know, the, the kingdom is going to be built. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is going to be spread with or without us. Right. Um, but each one of us, Wherever we find ourselves in our lives right now today, uh, you know, there's a reason why God has us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you think back to that Jeremiah 29 verse, you know, God knows the plans that he has for us. God knew the plan that he had for Esther. He had Esther right where he wanted her. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, she had to recognize that. And she she lives her life on purpose to... Uh, for one thing, we're we're sitting here twenty five hundred years later talking about her. Right. Uh, your life has been changed by this teenage girl who lived this long ago, mm-hmm. uh, but she's affected so many lives. Uh, I think that's that's God working through her to be able to help us today. Absolutely, um, yeah, and I think I mean we we just have to remember we can align ourselves with the kingdom. Um, and God gives us grace to do that. Um, and I like, you know, the remembering aspect of this. You know, when we look back and remember, God's character is kindness. And we can see that in this story as his kindness is extended to the Jews and to Esther and to Mordecai and to all these these characters. His character is kindness and his character is kindness to us. And he, he wants to deliver us and he wants to redeem us. And he gives us that opportunity. And he, give, he gives us these for such a time as this moments um, in order to be effective for the kingdom. And I, I just think that's, that's so kind of him to allow us to, to work um, for the kingdom's behalf and to be blessed in the process. What do you think about this idea too? Um, you know, one of the instructions that Esther had was don't tell anybody about your heritage. Right. Don't tell anybody. Uh, but in the passage that Shay read for us, at least one or multiple servants were, were involved with this back and forth with Mordecai. Uh, so there's some of her closest know that she is a Jew. Mm-hmm. And they know that she is a Jew and is hiding the fact that she is a Jew. Um, so... But it says that Esther has her her crew there, her posse, fasting and praying with her. Um, is there something to be said about who you surround yourself with? Um, surround yourself with uh, godly counsel. Uh, so have people in your lives like more like a Mordecai that can oh, guide that's you. That's huge, yeah. And have a group of people around you that. Hey, you know what? You don't have to do this by yourself. Uh, you don't have to go. You don't have to face this looming death threat by yourself. We're going to be by your side. 
we're going to be praying with you. We're going to be fasting with you. Is there something to be said from that in the story too? Oh, I, I love that you brought that up. I think, you know, if we're going to make parallels with the story of Jesus, like Esther, her timing to reveal her heritage was, you know, providential. It was, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was given to her by God, this timing. And, you know, just as Jesus, um, his, his ministry was, you know, he, he told them that it's not time yet. He had a divine timing to his ministry. Esther's heritage and that being revealed for the story was a divine timing, um, as well as, um, being a part of that story. Um, and I think, you know, I love that you brought up, she didn't have to do it alone. You know, she had, you know, the eunuch, um, in, in a friendship in that. And she had, you know, maids and chamberlains and all these people who were, you know, on her side and helping her. And, you know, more than anything, she had Mordecai. And that was God, you know, providing her with um, these people to um, to accomplish this big task with her. That's neat to think about, too. God providing the specific people in her chamber mm-hmm. that would be the right ones to support her yeah. and because there could have easily been hey i just found out that esther is a jew let's go talk to haman right and on, on the contrary she had you know a chamberlain that would that was willing to go to mordecai and you know keep this big secret that the queen is a jew and she's about to be you know killed and that you know that chamberlain was able to be a a part of the process of God as well. Mm-hmm. This is a really amazing story. I think we could go on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe Jordan has an idea for another podcast. I'm not sure. Part two. <laughs> uh, part two. Um, but it has been a good story. Uh, we hope that, uh, I, I think we've been blessed by talking about it. Uh, really hope that you are encouraged as you have, you, as you have listened. Um, and we encourage you to go back and read the whole book. Uh, there's, I think, 10 chapters in the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 good chapters in the book of Esther. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there's so much stuff that we could not get to uh, that is continues to tell parts of her story. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you to go back, read through this passage, read through the whole book, um, and, and listen for what the Spirit tells you that He hasn't told you before. Because yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that come out when you do that. Uh, so we, we do hope that this is helping you in your life on purpose walk. Uh, we hope that uh, it helps you on your journey. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we close out? Um, I'm just going to say, you know, as, as you listen to this and as you go back over the story of Jesus, I just want you to know that we here on the podcast are going to be praying over your, for such a time as this moment. So we're mm-hmm. going to pray over, you know, your courage and your ability to work for the kingdom and to just find that the, the courage to act in those in those for such a time as this moments. So as we read the story of Esther, I hope we read the beautiful story of God's redemptive love for his people. In Esther, we read the story of Jesus, and we also read the story of ourselves. We have a girl who is left without a mother or a father, but finds favor with a king as he beholds her beauty. She is able to boldly save her people and bring them into a kingdom they don't deserve for such a time as this. As I read that, I see my Jesus, 
the man who left his father in heaven to live a life for others and was able to find favor with the king. His life was an offering to save his people and bring them into a kingdom they don't deserve for such a time as this. I also see the story of us. I see a people who are called to live a life of an offering. We have found favor with the king because of the beauty of Jesus. We can come into the kingdom that we don't deserve and live boldly for such a time as this, just as Esther did. I was reminded of Lamentations 3 when talking about how, you know, Xerxes was reminded of, you know, the things in the past that had happened during his reign and what, how we should remember the times where God showed up and his faithfulness uh, was with us. And so, you know, Lamentations is about all that the Israelites were going through and yet even with all the things and the negativity around them. So Jeremiah says in Lamentations, you know, he's going over, I remember my affliction or wandering. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. But yet I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. And so I think that sums up the whole story of, of Esther. Uh, I will wait for him, but the Lord is my portion and great is his faithfulness. And he is our rescuer. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. So as we close, we'll give you our closing blessing. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be on guard, be strong, be courageous. Stand firm in the faith and do everything in love. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us as we seek to know more of God's purpose for our lives. The Life on Purpose podcast is brought to you by Skyline Church of Christ in Jackson, Tennessee. Visit SkylineChurch.com to learn more about us. Thanks for listening.